SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. From Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. I've lived in Las Vegas since 1998. And this last week might have been the single most miserable week that I've ever been in Las Vegas for, weather-wise. Now, we're talking before I came on air with my producer, Chris Pavone, a real good guy. If you ever get a chance to uh, meet him, say hi. And Chris saying, oh, I've been out in Vegas. It's 105. It's not... 105 is nothing. I like it when it's 105. I'll wear a jacket when it's 105. 115 is a whole different story. That's not a dry heat. That's a monster heat, and I'll tell you what. uh, It's been a little bit ridiculous in Las Vegas. And it's, of course, the third time this summer that we've seen 110-plus for week-long stretches. Um which is why I'm not going to be here <laughs> uh, for a couple of weeks. This will be my last show before I take my vacation. I'll be going back east. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the second hour. But, of course, we will be back for the start of August. August 1st equals football season in my world. And, of course, there will be a slight format change. Cover It with Teddy Covers has been a two-hour show. We're going to split it. We're going to do one hour on Friday, replay Saturday mornings, focusing on college football, we're going to do one hour Saturday night, I believe replay again Sunday morning, focusing on the NFL. So there will be some minor tweaks to cover it with Teddy Covers moving forward after I get my vacation. Now, one of the things I plan on doing on my vacation is smoking a little weed. Yes, <laughs> once in a while, Teddy Covers, that's his drug of choice. And I'll tell you why. It's my, it's my buzz of choice, Okay. There's a big difference, at least in my world, for recovery time versus booze, when you talk about booze versus weed. If I go out drinking, I do not wake up the next morning functional. If I smoke a joint, I wake up the next morning functional. There's no hangover. And boy, that makes a big difference as a better, because successful betters get up early, period. (laughs) I mean, there's no way around it. Uh, If you're going to get the best of the market, if you're going to do what we do, Every single day, the concept of "oh, I'm too hungover to work today," it just doesn't it just doesn't work that well, <laughs> you know. Whereas you smoke a little bit of weed, for me at least, I tend to recover much quicker. I'm fine the next morning. You put a cup of tea in me, and I'm capable of functioning like normal. Why does this matter? Well, look, I mean, the NBA stopped testing for weed years ago, decades ago. Okay. The NFL doesn't do it anymore. No one's getting suspended in the NFL for weed. No one's getting suspended in baseball for weed. But we still had, here in Nevada, where marijuana is legal, you can go to the store and buy, you know, what, an ounce at a time. But here in Nevada, MMA, boxing, UFC, all those fighters were still getting penalized for being involved in a legal product here in the state of Nevada. And finally, in fact, what was it? 
It wasn't five years ago. It was 2015. 2015 when, uh, was it Nick Diaz got suspended for five years for positive marijuana tests. Now, the suspension was later reduced to a year and a half after appeal. But nonetheless, we're talking about a UFC fighter missing multiple years of his prime because of marijuana. Now, finally, this last week, we've seen Nevada isn't going to test fighters for marijuana anymore, which is now legal in the state, boxing and MMA. And I think that's a good thing. Obviously, I think that's a good thing, being that I'm talking pro-weed right here on the show. I know it's a sports betting show, but here's the concept, okay? The Nevada State Athletic Commission has gotten it, all right? NBA has gotten it. NFL's figured it out. MLB has figured it out. Look, we knew it in high school. Like, in high school, it's like, yeah, your teachers are smoking weed, and your police officers are smoking weed, and your dentist smokes weed. And now that I'm, like, in my 50s, like, everybody in the age of 70, or many people under the age of 70, are getting involved in this, but not the Olympics. No, sorry. And that's what this is all about. Shakari Richardson suspended for a month by the U.S. whatever it is, ADA for a positive marijuana test and rendered ineligible to compete in the Olympics for her signature event, the 100 meters or any of the other events that she gets to go on. Look, I'm not an Olympics guy to begin with. We're not going to be breaking down the Olympics on this show from a betting standpoint, the Olympics. Well, if you spend your life working on it, I'm sure there's money to be made. I'm spending my life working on football right now. And, of course, this show is going to be all about football. I didn't even introduce my guests, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Rob Vino uh, and Brad Powers going to talk NFL with Rob Vino. We're going to talk college football with Brad Powers. We're talking full hours, and we're talking. I'm going to make them give us teams, dude. Bet on, bet against. This is the coordinator we want to watch. This is the coordinator we want to bet against right from the get-go. What's some good long-shot values? What's a sh- uh, I mean, we're going to have a good football discussion on today's show. It's not about the Olympics. But nonetheless, to see what's happening with Shakari Richardson, who is heck of a runner, okay? And it's not like marijuana makes you a better runner, okay? It makes you worse. But the positive test is one of those deals where it's like, look, man, it's 2021. It doesn't have to be this way anymore. From an Olympic Committee standpoint, from a U.S. ADA standpoint, for goodness sakes, let this be the last suspension of this kind. No, we didn't the best thing on earth, but you know what? It's not the worst thing on earth either, and it doesn't help these guys perform better. We'll be back. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204. 
the Sports Greater Radio Network. And I love bringing in my next guest. Legitimately love bringing him in because I'm telling you flat out, it's the middle of July right now. There is nobody who is going to break down football better in mid-July than Rob Vino. At Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Rob, I'm excited to talk to you because, look, it's the time of year where MLB's on center stage. The NHL finals are over. The NBA finals, they're almost over. <laughs> um, so, realistically, now is the time that a lot of betters are starting to shift their focus over to football season. So, I want to ask you, what should savvy betters be doing right now to prep up for football? Well, I can say this, Teddy, for myself. At this time of year, I'm probably going through a refining stage. Um, I'm adjusting, tweaking power ratings a little bit where college football and NFL are concerned. Um, you're kind of in a quiet information period. You know, normally I would say read, 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 but we are kind of in a quiet information period at this point until we get to maybe the media days for college football, until we get to fall camps um, and the opening of NFL camps. But I'm probably adjusting power range or tinkering a little bit. I wouldn't say adjusting because that makes it sound like I'm taking 130 teams and changing them. That's not true. Just tweaking stuff, going back over notes, doing some extra schedule analysis, probably going over the system changes one more time, especially in college football. I'll tell you one thing we never used to have to do, TC, and, and we have to do it now, is constantly check the transfer portal. Even in July, we have to keep yep. checking the transfer portal for college football to see if difference makers are going to switch squads. Um, so that's important. I think where I'm concerned, because I'm an FCS handicapper better as well, I'm, look, I'm just really in the beginning stages of my FCS work, so that takes up some time. And, you know, I probably take a little bit of time to examine some future boards. I'm not a big futures player. But I'll look at it. And we have college football lines for opening week on the board right now. So certainly I'm looking at those as well. Um, it's, now, there's still a lot to do. And as you say, it's a, it's, a, it's a strong transition. You should be full bore at this point in time into football. Yeah, and certainly, Rob, you're a guy that has done, you know, that works on this all spring and the first part of the summer, as am I. <laughs> but when you talk, and I, I don't expect that the vast majority of our listening audience has done a whole lot of football prep yet if it comes if it's you know the week before the season and you're trying to start doing football prep you're going to be way behind the curve but for someone who's just starting their football prep now at the beginning stage of the process i want you to talk about your process for off-season preparation in football and take your time rob this is something that i think betters are going to find very interesting when it comes to how a professional better deals with the offseason, start to finish. Give me some thoughts on this, Robin. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating process from the end of last year to the start of this year. Yeah, I think number one, Teddy, I read. I mean, I read and I dig and I read and I dig and I read. And that, you have to do that. You just have to do that in order to be up to speed on what's going on um, in the offseason in college and pro football. The offseason is as important as, you know, regular season is as far as gathering information. So, you know, I start probably with my season-ending power ratings, and then I go through 
Um, as I mentioned, I'm big on college football, coaching changes, system changes, that type of thing. And I will actually um, do one, two, three paragraphs for myself for notes on every single system change, pretty in-depth and thorough. I don't expect other people to do that, but you need to read and find out how these teams are going to change maybe during the season. Again, this year we had a different type of season than we did last year. So this year we got spring practices. Um, obviously, I was looking at spring practices for college football and trying to gather notes from there. And really that reading process, Teddy, and the note gathering process in my world is the most important because it makes the number adjustments a lot easier for me. Um, it's not guesswork. And I will say this, where power ratings are concerned, I, I might be in a small boat anymore, but I don't make um, hysterical type changes in team numbers. You know what I mean? I don't rely on... Oh, team A has three offensive starters returning and two defensive starters, and therefore they're going to be 17 points worse this year. I, I, I put a ceiling and a cap on um, the adjustments that I make number-wise because I've learned over the years far too often that when you over-adjust, your first two weeks are miserable. I, I mean, it does work in some cases. Again, I don't want to make blanket statements, 100% statements, but for the most part, i found over the years that you're better off being cautious with a ceiling to begin with and treating these teams coming back first week in September, and I speak of college right now, um, as to be somewhat what they were when they left, especially Power 5 schools. Um, uh, the other six conferences sometimes get a little bit different. NFL, the NFL draft, the free agency period, especially the free agency period, become huge. Coaching changes, again, system changes, huge there. You don't see as much change in uh, or overhaul in systems in NFL as you do in college. Um, but it all leads back to the same thing, right? It's, it's a constant grind of reading and learning and gathering and then going to your numerical stuff from there. I'm not a technical handicapper, so I'm not sitting there refining team A is 20 and four against the spread on Thursday nights when favored or, or that type of stuff. I just, I'm not a firm <laughs> believer in that stuff. Um, and then probably a little bit, as I mentioned earlier, some schedule analysis once they come out. Teddy, you're looking for situational plays that may help you down the road. But injuries in college football tend to throw everything off, sometimes weather as well. So it's hard to make long-term plays. But that, that's it. In a nutshell, I think you're the same way. We read, we read, we learn, we learn. Every single day we're reading and learning something. I'm 29 years in this business, and every day I learn something new. So, Rob, we're going to focus more on NFL than college this week. We've got about two minutes here before the break. And I do want to ask you uh, for a college opinion or two. And I guess the right way to ask this question is based on your work. Give me a team or two that you think is undervalued in the betting marketplace. And, of course, we have week one numbers out. We have games of the year numbers out. So we've seen how the betting markets are reacting to many of these teams already. So a bet-on team, an undervalued team. And give me one or two. Uh, teams that may be overrated, a bet against team, right out of the gate in college football. Again, we got about 90 seconds before the break. Well, I would say this real quick, Teddy. I'll go small school on you or, um, you know, the other six conference-wise, mid-major stuff um, with a team to look out for. I would say Western Kentucky out of CUSA is one of my favorites. Bailey Zapp, quarterback of Houston Baptist out of the FCS, moves over. His offensive coordinator comes with him. I expect Western Kentucky to, you know, they've already got a really sound defense. I expect their offense to be explosive. Western Kentucky. I think you and I talked last time about SMU. 
Mm-hmm. I think the defensive coordinator switch there makes all the difference in the world. So I kind of like SMU. I think they're undervalued. As far as teams that um, I think you can fade, Teddy, I'll put it that way. I think the expectations are going to be too high for the Indiana Hoosiers. They're in a position that they've never been in before, and obviously um, power ratings and point spread numbers have been adjusted. So I think that maybe the, the numbers will cause Indiana to be a team that loses more against the spread than they do win the, against the spread. And that's simply – it's not because of their talent level. It's simply because the expectations and adjustments have risen to a level they've never faced before. The Indiana Hoosiers as a bet-against team from a value standpoint, Western Kentucky and SMU, I'm with you on both of those squads, Rob. Although i got to say, my college prep, not where my NFL is. My NFL is good. I wish training camps open tomorrow for the NFL. I don't. I need a break between now and then. But (laughs) for college football, I do a lot of the early work. And then once camps open in August, we spend a lot more time with college. We're going to spend a lot more time with Rob Vino. How about that segue right here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. We're going to shift our focus to NFL after the break. New coaching hires, new coordinator hires. Stay tuned. Cover It SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grand Radio Network. We've got extended time today with Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. And Rob, we talked a little bit about process in our first segment. Forget process right now. I want to talk about teams and coaches and coordinators and strength of schedule and over teams and bet on and bet against. And let's talk NFL coming out of the gate. I know that our listening audience is jonesing for the NFL right now. We all are by mid-July. Come on. It is what it is. Seven new coaching hires this year in the NFL. Brandon Staley for the Chargers. Urban Meyer for the Jaguars. Nick Cerrani for the Eagles. Dan Campbell for the Lions. Arthur Smith for the Falcons. Robert Sala for the Jets. And David Culley for the Texans. We know the Texans are going to stink. All right, Culley's walking into, by far, the worst situation of any of those guys. But of those seven new head coaches, any one or two of them you think are, A, guys that we want to be betting on as head coaches this year? Any one or two from that group, maybe not so much. Give me your thoughts on the Staley, Meyer, Serrani, Campbell, Smith, Salah Curry. Sept. All right. <laughs> that's, that's quite the list. Let's, let's start here. I mean, Brandon Staley, I'll give you a no opinion, Teddy, a question mark. Obviously, he's got great defensive pedigree, great defensive resume, but how is he as a head coach? We're not sure. Urban I want to ask you a Staley question real quick. Let me yeah, jump in. Because this is a guy who two years ago was a position coach, and then Wade Phillips retires, and then he walks into a Rams defense that's elite, 
and one year as a coordinator, and boom, now he's the head coach of the Chargers. Do you think that rise is a little bit too rapid, given that it was him coaching a defense with a bunch of, a whole lot of talent, and a Hall of Fame coordinator before him? Or does State deserve this hire? Yeah, that's the big question. I, honestly, I cannot answer it because we see these coordinators all the time that get head coaching jobs. I mean, Matt Patricia, right? And they're great at what they do, and then they take that step up and they fail as overall CEOs, so to speak. And that's where I'm at with Staley. I know he's got defensive pedigree, and he's real good at what he does. I'm just not sure if he can take over a whole bunch. So I'd probably lean right in the middle with him, or, or wait and see, prove it to me with him. Um Urban Meyer, I don't think we can sell his experience as the lead dog at big-time college football programs. There's a little difference between coaching the programs Urban Meyer coached at Florida at Ohio State than it is just coaching some random, um, you know, American athletic-type college school. So you can't sell him short, but I'm not willing to buy in on him yet either. Nick Sirianni, um, I would have to say I'm probably uh, more in the sell territory with him than I am in the buy territory. I just don't think he steps into a great situation. But here's, I'm going to give you a little bit of extensive stuff on somebody I like. I like the Dan Campbell hire. I may, again, I may be in the small percentage where this is concerned because the Lions are the butt of a zillion jokes. Yeah. But I'll say this. Of, of all the guys we're going to talk about here, right, he does have previous NFL head coaching experience, albeit interim 12 games for Miami goes five and seven straight up in 2015 yes he's yet to be proven um as a full-time head coach but here's what i like here's what i feel i think he's an upgrade over matt patricia as an overall leader and motivator i just didn't see detroit lion players motivated to play for matt patricia and and i saw him with that pencil over his ear look too dumbfounded at too many times during his <laughs> tenure so I, I like that part of it um and i guess that covers what we would call the offensive football X's and O's as well. I just think Campbell's probably the better leader, motivator, maybe the best, better X's and O's guys, especially from an offensive standpoint. Um, let's say this. I, I think that where, Matt, where um, Dan Campbell is concerned, he's placing a lot more emphasis on building and upgrading from the trenches out, which I like. I think a, a ton of us are firm believers that games are won, offensive line, defensive line, front seven, so to speak. Um, the guys up front, I think he stated early on, that's the way they're going to play. And that's how they're going to start building this team. So I like that about him. I like the fact that he's got a like-minded offensive coordinator in Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn had a choice, go to Seattle, go to Detroit. He chose to be with Dan Campbell in Detroit. I think that works. Again, Anthony Lynn, another one of those guys, Teddy, coordinator, very good, head coach. Not so good, especially with time management. So on the sidelines, no see, I like that, he and Campbell. And then let's just quickly go through the hires. So I think the staff is huge. If you're going to take a head coaching job, you have to surround yourself with good coaches. And this coaching staff is all about the same age. They all come from the same era. They have ties. The defensive coordinator here is going to be Aaron Glenn, like head coach Dan Campbell. He's a physical-minded uh, coach. He was a DB's coach for a lot of years. And he played the game that way, physical and tough. The assistant head coach here is Deuce Staley, comes right here from Philadelphia. Again, like-minded, same exact principles. Mark Brunel is a, you know, in his playing day, Teddy, he was a sprint-out, you know, this sprint-out type quarterback, mobile. That works well teaching Jared Goff, I believe. Hank Fraley, an offensive line head coach. 
it goes on and on and on. Antoine Randall is the wide receivers coach. I think the staff is built for success because they're all like-minded. They're all same age group. They're all relatable to the players. Um, last but not least, because I talked real long on him, I'll go to Robert Sala for the Jets. He's replacing Adam Gates. <laughs> Do I have to say more than that? I really don't, probably. Um, but I love the upgrade there. Adam Gates is a guy that was combative defensive, um, willing to throw his team under the bus and not take any responsibility in a lot of situations. And Robert Sala's personality is totally different from what we know of him, right, as, a, as an assistant and a short offseason as head coach with the Jets. He's a demanding guy, but I think he's relatable. Um, his energy level is off the charts. Adam Gates really didn't show me any energy as the offensive, or excuse me, as the head coach of the Jets. I think his expertise on the defensive side is real good, but he's not much of an offensive guy, right? So he brings with him his the guy who coached offense at San Francisco with him, OC Mike LaFleur. Guy coached uh, under Mike Shanahan. We'll see if he can call plays, but I like the familiarity. If you don't know offense, hey, bring the offensive coordinator that you're with with you. At least you guys are on the same page how you're going to run offense. And he comes from a winning culture. So if I had to pick two real likes out of the whole bunch, I like Campbell. I like Salah. They may be long-term like. They could be week-by-week short-term likes, right? Because point spread means everything. And maybe there's going to be a lot of situations where we can play them. You talked about David Culley stepping into, you know, the proverbial sand trap. I don't, I don't know how he's going to fare there in Houston, but I'm not going to put much money on the Houston Texans this year. No, I don't think many people are putting much money uh, on the Houston Texans. I want to talk about Urban Meyer uh, for a minute. When we look... At the list of college coaches, let's say over the last 20 years, who've gone directly from college to the NFL. We got Butch Davis went to Cleveland and lost. Steve Spurrier went to Washington and lost. Nick Saban went to Miami and lost. Bobby Petrino went to Atlanta and lost. Jim Harbaugh went to San Francisco and won. Greg Schiano went to Tampa and lost. Doug Maroney went to Buffalo and lost. Chip Kelly uh, went to Philadelphia uh, and lost. Cliff Kingsbury has gone to Arizona and lost, and Matt Rule has gone to Carolina and lost. Does Urban Meyer change that in any way? Or is he another one of these guys that three years from now he'll be collecting big checks after already being fired? Um, <laughs> the, you know, That's what it seems to be what it takes is three years for the college coaches to be like, you know, college was easier. <laughs> yeah, and in college you can recruit your own guys, right? So um, that helps. But... Uh, that's a lousy track record you just listed off, Teddy. So you'd almost be foolish to say, can this single guy change it? It doesn't mean he has to be exactly the same as all these other guys. The only thing I'll say that separates Urban Meyer, in my mind, from about 80% of the unsuccessful coaches that you rattled off there, is he's much less of a rah-rah type of guy than a lot of those coaches were, so to speak. I mean, rah-rah is a general term, but... You know, all the things that you can apply to that. I think a majority of those coaches you rattled off that run successful kind of fit that mold in some way, shape, or form. A couple don't. I don't remember Doug Marone being totally rah-rah at Syracuse, um, and he was unsuccessful. He had some NFL experience before that, too, I think. But Meyer is more, you know, I used this term earlier, CEO. He is more CEO-like, or at least he learned how to be that at Ohio State, where he learned to sort of defer responsibilities across the board and not necessarily put his hands in everything and just run the overall show. 
he comes with pedigree that maybe the players respect. I think right off the bat, some of those other coaches maybe didn't get the immediate respect from NFL players or in an NFL locker room that I think this guy will get. So there, there are some advantages to Urban Meyer, I think. Um, whether that translates into wins and losses with a roster that's not as good as, you know, 27 other teams in the NFL, I'm not sure. Long term, we'll see. I think he's got a long leash. But um, I can't project him to be a success right off the bat. Absolutely not. Wins and losses, Rob. Nobody cares about wins and losses except for fans. Point spread wins and losses is what we're right. interested in. You know, um, but it's interesting. When you talk about Robert Sala and you talk about Dan Campbell, the Lions and the Jets, and those are two head coaches who you like. If the Lions or the Jets are even halfway decent this year, okay, if they're flirting with 500, let's say, as opposed to being, you know, 5 and 12 or 4 and 13 type of teams, let's not forget, 17 game schedule this year. But if they're eight and nine, nine and eight type of teams, the Jets and or the Lions will make you a fortune because from a point spread perspective, those teams are likely to be covering a whole lot of point spreads if they're winning that many games. We've got more, much more with Rob Vino coming out of the break. We're going to talk about coordinator changes. We're going to talk about strength of schedule, bet on right out of the gate, bet against right out of the gate. Whew, we're just getting started. Covering continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I love talking NFL in July when I've got someone who's done his homework to talk NFL with. And that, of course, is Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. And Rob, we're talking head coaching changes before the break. I'm going to shift our focus now and talk about coordinator changes, offense coordinators, defense coordinators, even special teams coordinators. Those are the guys that actually do most of the coaching. The best head coaches are managers. <laughs> and the coordinators are the guys who are developing game plans. Any coordinator changes this offseason that stood out to you, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, give me a, a, a good hire or two that, that stood out. Right, let me give you what I think is a good hire, and that would be the Seahawks getting Shane Waldron uh, from the L.A. Rams. Passing coordinator, passing game coordinator, I guess they call it, and full that title. For the last two seasons of the L.A. Rams under Sean McVay, you know, the hire is good, Teddy, but the end result is even better. The end result, as we sit here in July, now we may get to December and things may change, but as of the middle of July here, or the beginning of July, um, Pete Carroll's hands are free of the offense. Thank God if you're a Seattle fan, <laughs> you're a Seattle better. You want this guy as far away from the offense as you can get. He's committed to letting Shane Waldron run it. 
he's come in, he's kind of blended systems. He went to Russell Wilson. He went to Tyler Lockett. And he asked all his guys what they do best in their playbook, and then he brought his playbook with it. I think one significant move made by the Seahawks to show that they're all in on Shane Waldron was, you know, they didn't have a first-round pick, but they had a second-round pick. That was the first one they made in the draft. And they went wide receiver. Um, in specific, they went speed merchant, slot receiver, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Guys who watch yep. Mac football know this guy is a player. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of fits the bill of what he wants to do as far as the passing game is concerned and filling that particular slot position. So I like that. Um, and I love the player quotes. Teddy, you're huge on player quotes, but I love this. I love Tyler Lockett calling Shane Waldron brilliant. I like Russell Wilson saying that they are prepared, confident, ready to roll. Um, I like the fact that the system, according to the players, has been so easily learnable so far. You would think that it wouldn't be that easy, but it's been easy for these guys to pick up, even though the playbook has expanded and the responsibilities have expanded. Some of the terminology is different, but the teaching has been so good that the players are right with it. Even Pete Carroll had to um, throw some accolades Waldron's way and say he can't believe that they've progressed so far this quickly. So I like that hire. Um, Important hires. Let's just call these important. Things, real, real important coordinator hires here. The Rams made one in Raheem Morris when they got him to take over as their defensive coordinator. Um, we talked earlier, you know, their D.C. obviously leaves for a head coaching job with the L.A. Chargers, Brandon Staley. And Morris is probably the perfect guy to come in and just take what's already fixed and nothing is broken and just run that engine the way it's uh, already exists. So I think Morris, veteran defensive coordinator with one of the better defenses in the NFL with him. He's not changing anything. We're just going to run it. I like that hire. Hey, the most intriguing one to me was the elevation of Matt Canada from quarterback's coach to offensive coach for the Steelers. There's some good things about it, and I think that maybe the Steelers might be a bit undervalued this year because of it, but here's a guy who's been through all kinds of college jobs. He's known for formations and motion. Um, he has changed some things in Pittsburgh. Uh, not necessarily a system overhaul, but some terminology is different in Pittsburgh right now. But he's in charge of getting that Steelers rushing game going this year. Was the quarterback coach last year, as I mentioned, so he's got familiarity with the offense. And then I'm going to lump these two together because they both came from Seattle. Hugely important hires. We'll see which way they go. Gus Bradley to the Las Vegas Raiders as their new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn to the Dallas Cowboys as their new defensive coordinator. Both have been extremely successful in the past. Both take over miserable defenses and have to improve them. Um, You know, they both got some tools. Maybe Quinn's got a couple extra tools, and maybe his system fits Dallas's strengths a little bit better, but they're both under the gun here. So those are real important hires for both of those teams. I'm not going to categorize them as either – you know, immediate success or immediate failure. But I think, you know, when we were going over this show, we were going to label these as important. I think those are very important hires. Sure. I I would put both Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn in the quote-unquote tired retread category uh, as opposed to the young innovator category. And I'll view both those guys differently than I will Raheem Morris because I'm with you on Morris as being a guy who I would love to come in and establish defense. Raheem Morris isn't going to screw it up. You know, Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn have the potential to screw it up. Uh, uh, And it's interesting you talk about the Steelers 
Because Pittsburgh, to me, and of course Matt Canada uh, getting his shot uh, to be the coordinator for Ben Roethlisberger and what is likely to be Big Ben's final season, Pittsburgh's one of these teams, to me, I could easily see the Steelers as a five or six win team. You know, I could see them finishing in the last place in that division. And yet, <laughs> there's certainly a scenario in which they're going to compete with Cleveland and Baltimore for a division title. Um, you know, asking Pittsburgh to finish as a sub-500 team has been a losing proposition for the better part of the Mike Tomlin era. And, of course, that's where they're lined this year when it comes to season wins. Pittsburgh being lined as a 500-level team. Rob, it's time to talk some specifics when it comes to teams right now. And really, for the NFL, I understand we're still a month away uh, from the preseason, two months away for the regular season. But right now, based on what you've done so far, there are any, you know, and let's do quick hitter style here, any teams you're mm-hmm. looking to bet on right out of the gate and any teams you're looking to bet against right out of the gate right from week one? Well, I'll say this. I like Denver an awful lot, Teddy. I like Denver an awful lot. The first three games on their schedule are Giants, Jacksonville, Jets. Those three all take place in September. So right out of the gate, I think I'd probably be involved with Denver. Multiple reasons. I know we want to go quick hitter real quick. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb back is amazing for that defense as far as pass rush is concerned. Cortland Sutton, their number one wide receiver back off of injury. Hey, that team was just demolished by injury last year to very, very key personnel. So I like that. The, the job they did upgrading their secondary through free agency and through the draft is amazing. They now have seven quality defensive backs. Listen, if you're going to compete with Pat Mahomes in that division, if you're going to go up against Justin Herbert and what he showed last year in the Chargers in that division, you better have a really strong secondary. They seem to have it now. I talked about the schedule. Um, I'm intrigued by the Steelers. I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know that they were as far off or that they're as bad as people, the majority of media is making them out to be at this point in time. I'll say this, Najee Harris at running back, um, explosive wide receiving core, Ben Roethlisberger, the trouble was the offensive line. But when I went back over it, Teddy, real quick, I thought maybe the offensive line might have been a bit overblown, their troubles. Um, they had no continuity from the start of the season through the end because of injury. Three-fifths of that offensive line was either out for the entire season, out for seven weeks, out for three weeks, and it just made for a miserable offensive line cohesion process with that team. They have four new starters and a new offensive coordinator, so let's see. Trey Turner's the new guy in. Um, I think that the return of Devin Bush is huge. I think that's a, a forgotten fact with the Steelers, that Devin Bush, they're probably their best defensive player, was lost for about 11 or 12 weeks last year um, to injuries. So that's important. And then the last thing I'll say real quick, a team I'm looking at is Tennessee, and not because Julio Jones got added to the team, but simply because this team was 31st in quarterback pressure last year as a defensive unit. They couldn't rush the pass or they couldn't stop the pass, and they went out and got Bud Dupree. Instantly they become better rushing the passer, They've got new corners in Caleb Farley out of the draft and Janoris Jenkins from the Saints. They become better on the corner if they can just improve slightly on the defensive end. Tennessee gets upgraded. So those are three that I'm looking at right now from an ATS standpoint right out of the shoot. And I'll tell you what, the Broncos are a team. I'm with you 100%. The problem with Denver in the offseason betting markets right now is you're paying for a chance of Aaron Rodgers on everything. For the Broncos. Yeah. They are the, if Rodgers leaves Green Bay, the Broncos are the favorite where he's supposed to go. And not that I would dislike Denver with Aaron Rodgers, but I'm not convinced he's going to go there. I would expect 
either Locke or Bridgewater be the starter. So I don't want to pay a Denver Broncos tax in July for a guy that's not likely to be on their roster. Do you see that's going on in the markets now as well? Absolutely right, Teddy. I, I mean, you hit it right on the head. And, and I'd rather have it where there were no Rodgers rumors so I could get a better price on Denver. Absolutely. Yep, I'm hoping we'll see that uh, before the summer is through. Uh, so, Rob, I'm going to ask you, we talked about bet on teams out of the gate. I'm going to ask you about bet against teams out of the gate. But first, I want to make sure that you have time to promote yourself. Because if you haven't figured it out, Rob Vino knows football. If you want to get involved, Rob, tell them how to do that. Yeah, it's uh, pretty simple. Wagertalk.com. Wagertalk.com is where you can find all my selection packages each and every day. It's where you can find a ton of media content that um, I'm involved with with that company on a daily basis. It's all for free. You don't have to pay to get the free media content. We break down games in every sport every single day of the week um, against the point spread. You want to go to wagertalk.com. As I mentioned, easy, free subscription. Not going to cost you a thing. And then doors open up for you to get all that advice um, from a ton of expert handicappers other than myself. Um, and, and like I say, selection packages available there, too. So it's wagertalk.com. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, it's easy. It's at Rob Vino Sports. All right, Rob, we got a little bit to less than two minutes left. And I want you to give me a bet against team or two right out of the gate in the NFL. We talked about Broncos, Steelers, Titans, potential bet-ons. Who are we looking to bet against? Well, let's go without the in-depth analysis, Teddy. Let's just go teams here that I think we might be able to fade. Again, from a value standpoint, I'm not saying these teams are bad. I'm just saying from a sheer value standpoint, I might be against the Washington football team right out the gate. Um, if they came on like gangbusters last year, everybody's darling. I think they might be a bit overpriced. And then the second team would have to be the New Orleans Saints. Um, we'll see what life is like after Drew Brees. But I'm going to tie this real quick, Teddy, to an under. Because I really, more than playing against them, I like New Orleans Saints under early in the year. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, they'll probably be more on the running game and the defense is the anchor of the team. Guys are going to, opposing DCs are going to load up against Alvin Kamara and make these quarterbacks, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, prove it. It's a methodical offense, New Orleans under, as well as maybe early on against New Orleans with the point spreads concerned. No, I'm curious about that because in my sense, if Jameis wins that starting job, I don't know that New Orleans is quite the same under team as they would be compared to Taysom Hill. Uh, Would you agree? Because Jameis is going to chuck it downfield. It's funny. In my notes, I have Sean Payton may get me for this, (laughs) and he might. He's an innovative offensive coordinator, great play caller, and he might. I don't see the downfield speed um, equivalent to Jameis's arm uh, on this team, Teddy, so maybe that's part of the reason why I don't think they'll be able to strike explosively downfield. But a lot of times it's the way plays are designed, and this head coach can design plays. So he may get me for it, and I may change my tune in October. Early weeks of September, I think I'll look under Rob Vino, at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Great info, start to finish. Rob, thanks so much for joining me on Cover It this week. We'll have you on again before football season. When we come back, well, I can't say before football season. Football season's almost here. We'll close out hour number one after this. Look at them yo-yos. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. of our number one here on Covering with Teddy Covers. And I want to do a little Rob Vino recap, but not what he just talked about. Rob Vino was on the show, had to be, what, six weeks ago maybe. And he gave us some bet on and bet against teams in college football. And he brought up the SMU as a bet on team earlier in the show, talking about how their offense is potent and how the new defense coordinator Jim Levitt's going to be an upgrade for them on the defense side of the football. But there was a couple other ones that he talked about and I wrote them down, and I've been betting them and watching them. You know, the teams that stand out to you early. I don't know if we're going to make money betting against these squads all year. When you talk about your off-season prep and your off-season work, it's mostly for September. <laughs> you know, By the beginning of October, by the time these teams are a month in, your off-season prep, it's very much in the background. And you have an idea whether teams have depth or not, but... You certainly, a team you thought was going to be good and they stunk off September, you better change your tune <laughs> on that squad. Similarly, a team you thought was going to be awful, they'd be good uh, early on. If you go by those preseason power ratings for too long, it'll really start to hurt you. But Rob Vino was talking about Duke as a bet against right out of the gate in college football. Four draft choices, including the quarterback, two defensive ends, uh, hybrid safety. An 80-catch tight end. This is not a team that replaces NFL talent very easily. Duke could be a bet against uh, early on, according uh, to Rob Vino. Same story with Northwestern. You know, we don't see a whole lot of first-round draft choices from the Northwestern Wildcats. And, uh, losing a guy like Slater. And basically everyone on that offense makes them a very dicey team early on in the campaign. If the markets don't downgrade Northwestern enough, I don't know they have. They could well be a bet against team right out of the gate. And, of course, Tennessee is another team that Rob Vino talked about last time on the show. I wanted to bring him up again here because we just had Vino on. And Tennessee, I mean, this has been a litany of bad coaching hires for the Vols over the course of the last two decades. <laughs> Josh Heupel, not a bad coach. And certainly someone with a proven track record, someone who would expect to have more success at Tennessee than they've had there in any recent season. Hour two coming up. Cover it. Continue. 